Hello and good morning. How are you doing today? I am fine, thank you. How about you? Absolutely fantastic. Excited to talk to you about what it's really like to be in this present place of now, where, where you're finally getting to talk about the book, to share the book, and to present your voice to readers that are going, oh my God, I heard her voice. <laughs> Love that. Because, I mean, that, that's part of the story that we don't get as readers. I know what it's like to open one of your books and start the journey through the words, but we don't get to see the journey before, like when the idea first approached you. I, I think you're right about that, and I think it's very transformative for a reader to hear the author speak. And it's not, it's not that your experience reading the book on your own isn't your own, but I think... It does change a little bit when it's informed by what the writer wants to say about it. So what, what is it about unsolved murder mysteries that we keep drawing ourselves to? Because I, I don't think Perry Mason could do it these days with our ratings or, or stories because they always solve the crime at the end of the book. I just love a good murder mystery. Well, life isn't tidy, you know, things aren't always resolved, and this real murder on which Ruth Road is based was the murder of my own mother's best friend in 1948 in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. which was a pretty chilling crime that has remained unsolved, and I think it had this terrible effect on my mother, and, and somewhat on me, and I think we're all drawn to it, and I've thought a lot about that. I think... There's, there's a thought process we have, even if it's subliminal, that if we look closely enough, if we pay close enough attention to what went wrong in that other story, you know, which alley did she walk down, what door didn't she lock, we can perhaps avoid something like that happening to us. And isn't it weird to step back into that world? It's almost like little notes were left for you, as in, a, as in a, like a, dear future Deborah, here's something that you're going to be doing. I don't know what year, but you will be doing this. So much so. That is so absolutely spot on and a very strong insight that most people don't have. I'll give you an example. I know that this case was reopened in 2008. I had no vision of writing this book at that point. And it, it all happened through a conversation I had with a friend of mine who was a DA who kind of got involved with talking to the Pittsburgh Police Department, which led them to send a bunch of rookies down to the property room and find some fabric, which they sent to the FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia. And, you know, they reopened the whole thing. I know they brought the suspect in for questioning them. It didn't go anywhere. And I didn't have any idea that it would eventually become part of this book that I would write in the future. Wow. You know, you could have easily taken this to a true crime podcast with 12 episodes, but what I love about it is that you put it in paragraphs to where we embrace each each page in the way of, the, it's a relationship between your conversation and, and our, our, our presence here. I think... For me, I didn't want to do it as nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to point a finger at the primary suspect. And I, I don't know if it's solvable, if we'll ever know if he did it or not. I really wanted to explore the theme of generational trauma, this idea that we are affected by things that happened to our, our parents, our grandparents, or even people in our community. 
Man, I'll tell you what, maybe maybe the reason why I'm so close to this story is because my wife's mother was also murdered, and we've always assumed that we knew who the murderer was. But here's the reason why the family won't do anything about it. It's a family member, and we feel like just let them take it to the grave. And it's like, and I've talked with more experts that say that happens a lot. And it's like, that. so when stories, I read things like this, it's like, I can so relate with this. Well, that is exactly this case. Uh, the brother was the primary suspect. He lived and lived and lived. In fact, he just died a few weeks ago mm. because I, I will occasionally Google him just to see if he's out and about. And he died at the end of November. How do you embrace the emotional roller coaster? Because as a writer myself, there are times I've got to step away from the keyboard and I, I've got to go out in that forest and I've got to take a walk and just get my thoughts back together. Absolutely. I get up and get out of the house. I walk the dog. I take a bike ride. It's, you know, as you know, writing is not just when you're actually putting the words on the paper. It's that ruminative period that, you know, you'll hear writers say, oh, I got that idea in the shower, or I got that idea when I was lying in bed at night. You know, it's, it's, it's all of you, and it happens all the time. Oh, my God. And trying to go back to read your chicken scratch because you're trying to write something with no lights on. And it's like, what was I saying? I, what, what, what was I thinking here? I do exactly <laughs> that. I have a pen and paper by the bed. And I try to kind of tap on my uh, iPhone so I get a little cursory light so, without waking up my husband. So it's not the total chicken scratch, which it could be and often is. Do you have that battle with the nightly beast, though? Because there's, there, one of the things that I had to train myself to do through daily discipline is the fact that as a creative person, there is a time that that, that writer cannot have a voice, and it's going to be during my sleeping hours. Right, and I do have a little bit of an insomnia yeah. in recent years. So what I do in the middle of the night, if I wake up, I try not to do anything productive. I try to just read. It's the only thing that settles my mind. When did you settle on the title just Reef Road? Because we could have gone in so many different directions with this. But, I mean, you see this title and you go, oh, really? So, uh, that's a great question. So, after I would ride every day, I would ride my bike around the island of Palm Beach, where I was in Florida. And I was looking for a street to house one of the characters, the young wife whose husband and children disappear. And I was thinking, ah, all these street names, they're so sweet and uplifting, you know, words like banyan or hibiscus and how, how wholesome. And I came upon Reef Road and I thought, <laughs> oh, that is dark. That, you can take that anywhere. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, anybody who, who is, who's scuba dived anywhere near a reef, it, it's scary down there. So to, to yeah. see that word reef, it's like, ooh, ooh. Trouble. Exactly. One of the things that you introduced to my creative process, and I never even thought about this until I I, I saw it with your name, a reveal versus a twist. My God, that's a game changer for me. Right. So a reveal is more what we're used to in the Agatha Christie style locked room mystery. You've got a group of people in a contained setting, one of them ends up dead, one of them did it, and at a certain point, generally, a detective said, you know, it was, it was the parlor maid, and she did it with a, you know, the lead pipe. Um, a twist is when you're going along thinking that a certain 
action is happening, that the plot is playing out in a certain way, and there's a moment where a boom is dropped and you realize something completely different is going on. It's not what you thought at all. And for three novels now, I happen to have written twists. I don't know if I can always do it. <laughs> the, when, with, with three novels... A lot of readers, once again, do not understand that's a sacrifice of a personal life to bring those, pers- those, those, those novels together. And they don't understand that we as writers don't get that time back. How do you embrace that? What You know, everything that you kind of missed out on because you were writing. That is a, another wonderful question. So uh, for all the writers out there, I am an example of someone. I wrote for a long while, years, before I really organized my life in the way that you're saying to completely clear the decks and dedicate my time. And it's been 10 years now that I've, I've been completely devoted to writing and yes there are things you give up for example i don't go out to lunch lunch is the day killer you just can't (laughs) you you can't be productive writing and you know take the time to go out to lunch i have scaled back other involvements i've been very involved in not-for-profits and i've reduced the amount of time that I can do that. I've restructured everything. Wow. Where can people go to find out more about you, especially all three novels, and give you some serious love? Oh, I love that love. You can go to my website, com, and you can go to Instagram. I'm on all the social media outlets, but Instagram is my most active, and I think there I'm Deborah Goodrich Royce official. I love it. Please come back to this show anytime in the future, Deborah. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you, Arrow. I appreciate it. You be brilliant today, okay? Okay. I'll try.